What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 60. Wow. 60. Getting closer to 100 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries uh, for Thursday, uh, August 17th, 2017. Holy shit, we're already in the middle of August. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much the end of the year as far as I'm concerned. And we're here with uh, co-host Mike Brown. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing all right. Uh, did two days of orientation at WC Vancouver. Listened to a bunch of boring lectures, but you know I got a nice free water bottle out of it. <laughs> wow! A few, a few things. Although it's actually not a really cheap one. It's the type that you you can just pop the top open and just uh, drink it normally. Not you don't have to like suck the thing. Well, you know, it's kind of like a. It, it's. It, I know what I you're talking about. It's it metal, to kind right? of like a, a plastic nipple you know it's uh-huh. just like you know you don't have to do that um it, it's not metal actually it's plastic but uh it's it's pretty cool there 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 was like instructions in that though that was like don't wash this in the dishwasher and doing all these like i thought it was kind of funny that they had this little printed off instructions thing in a water bottle I, at first <laughs> i thought you were joking about the water bottle like like making everything like okay with the college thing but now i'm like really convinced that that water bottle really did make that experience for you well n- not really it, it was just it was a nice thing yeah, mike to there's get. nothing wrong with being basic but i also i also found out about the coog radio which is an internet uh, radio station and they need DJs, so I decided to sign up for a volunteer and maybe do a podcast kind of thing for them. Hell yeah. Uh, about movies and stuff like that. So I already have a name. It's Cellular Nation. I haven't talked to the guy yet. I just talked to him recently. We're going to work things out. Uh, that's the title I've had in my head. I mean, if I were to redo my YouTube channel and I could get away with having that name. That's the name that I'd like to have because celluloid is is another term for film cells, you know. And, right. And I like I, that. I just lo- I, I just love the sound of it. I think it rolls off the tongue really really well. Yeah, yeah, that that's a, that's a really cool that you know, that's a cool name. Uh you know, I came up with a perfect name for my YouTube channel right out the gate, so you know, no need for any improvement on my end, you know, yeah. because I get it right the first time, unlike Mike. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, clearly, your channel just, is much more successful than mine, so can't really say that. So <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it's it's all a matter of uh, point of view type thing. Uh, it's YouTube is, in my opinion, it, it's essentially getting ready to blow its own head off with the recent algorithm it's set up recently. They've they've kicked out the U and YouTube. It's just the tube. Yeah. Because now they have completely bent over to the advertisers. Because there's all this sort of content that's like, okay, they have this new algorithm, which apparently figures out what content you post that is advertiser friendly. And if it is if it deems that it isn't advertiser friendly, then you don't get ads on it. So effectively this is blacklisting a certain portion of YouTubers. Yeah, but do you uh, still get subscribers and views and shit? Yeah, you do, but it's harder for people to find your channel and to find your content and to find your video because they're not 
the videos are deemed not advertiser friendly, so they're put in a different part of the site where you have to. Yeah. It, so basically, it, as soon as the corporate America got a hold of YouTube over the span of the last few years, it's slowly turning into regular what cable TV is regular now. Regular television. That's it, and that's what's so crazy to me is they spent all this money, millions of dollars recently with YouTube Red and with their shows and the programming to compete with television. And now they are just an extension of television. It's eventually going to get distilled. It's going to get distilled down into like, you know, there's going to be like 50 YouTubers who play it safe and are squeaky clean and they have, you know, millions of subscribers. And those are going to be like the only channels that that really can exist. And then all the other smaller channels are just going to get, you know, people are going to, I think, get frustrated with like how their shit's not going anywhere and like me and my channel dude my channel's almost three years old and like i'm i think i'm at like six that's that's why i think they should i think uh other sites like vidme or mines really should spend some money in advertising to really let these other youtubers know and these other people know that we're not a we're not a safe space for videos it's just it's just crazy it's just pretty it's pretty depressing when you think about it because this kind of stuff means that I'll, I'm, you know, one of my dreams was to possibly even just get 500,000 subs. Yeah. You know, just to get that one, you know, the silver play button, just anything. Yeah. And that, that'll just never happen with this new implemented algorithm system. And so YouTube and your Orwellian algorithm, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it sucks for me. Uh, I, I just, I still enjoy doing the YouTube videos, and I still, it's it's like a large portion of my I free time. I enjoy your content, too. It's just, it's really hard for people to even get noticed enough as it is, and now it's going to be almost impossible. Yeah, I mean... And it, it's so frustrating. you got people like Jake Paul, who are like the new oh face of YouTube. That dude, that, that kid. <laughs> that, uh, that... Hey, you know, I mean, I guess anything's possible in 2016, 2017. I mean, Donald Trump gets elected. Jake Paul's the new face of YouTube. Uh, you know, whatever, man. Uh, you know, guess every, anything's fucking possible. It's a wild west again. Just go out and whatever crazy idea you have, just go out and try it. Because obviously there's just, you know, there's no rules at this point. Well, he's not even that crazy. He just plays it safe. And he's a just an over-entitled rich douchebag. Oh, who's good, who over entitled rich douchebag, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like the other guy I just mentioned. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, so I take it back. If you are an over entitled rich douchebag, go out and do whatever you want because it is the year of the over entitled rich, rich douchebag. Um, <laughs> well, one thing that you guys can take comfort in is that neither me nor Mike are rich in any way, shape, or form. So you're no. getting a totally indie experience right now <laughs> with our podcast. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, we're facebook.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. You can like our uh, Facebook page. But what I would suggest you do even more than that is like our uh, Facebook group or join our Facebook group, rather, which is uh, uncovering unexplained mysteries. A lot more interactive. Uh, you can tr- uh, trash talk us and... Um, We'll just take it like the little girls that we are. We'll cry and we will run home to our respective mommies. Um, if you like to support us on, if you would like 
Uh, man, that like sounded like English was my third or fourth language. If you like to support us, <laughs> if you like to do that, if you would like to support us on Patreon, it is patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And honestly, from what you've heard so far, I would be very surprised if you want to give us any money for this shit. Um, so you're a special person if you do that. Well, if you want to hear some bonus segments uh, hosted by yours truly, you can... Uh, pay the, the I think it's like the $10 tier. I got a bonus segment that I will be posting later today for anyone who decides to support the podcast. I'm going to be talking about an Unsolved Mystery segment that I know Josh will never talk about. Uh, and it, it is it is one that's pretty... It's, it's sad and it's messed up. And you can find out about what it is if you support our Patreon. Yeah, it's one of the rare ones that I put my foot down. I was like, "Yeah, sorry, Mike, I'm I'm not talking about that on the on the show." So Mike will talk about it, though. Apparently, Mike's got a stronger constitution than I do, but you know, whatever. I just I can't I just can't do it. Um, so yeah, there's that. And um, if you're curious about the said YouTube channels, Mike's YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com slash OCP communications. He does movie reviews, and mine is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Uh, I do everything else besides movie reviews. So literally every other video that's ever existed, I do except movie reviews. That's the only thing. Although I have been thinking about doing a movie review, but I don't know. It doesn't It's not really my thing. I was thinking about reviewing I look forward to it. I mean, I, I, I'd watch it. I, I would. I think I would want to talk about that. Maybe like Tusk or something. I don't know because that I have a lot to say about that movie. I had a lot of opinions about that movie. That movie was so. That movie sucks. Yeah, it, it does <laughs> suck. Um, but anyway, let's. Uh, but you better make sure to you know you know be advertiser friendly about it. That's what's so ridiculous about it is that they don't even know what the fuck they're doing because. A recent review of mine that I did of a Georgia Romero film called The Crazies is not advertiser friendly. But my rant on the the Mummy reboot, which has the cummy in the title, well, that's advertiser friendly for some reason. And I didn't swear any less in that video than I did in The Crazies rant. <laughs> and then my recent review of the film Betrayed, the 1988 film Betrayed by Costa, Costa Gavras, which has at the center of it, of the plot, some of the most controversial subjects imaginable, racism and white supremacists. That's advertiser-friendly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, t ran, talking about, ranting about some crappy film called Chud 2, Bud the Chud, not advertiser-friendly. But talking about racism and white supremacists, apparently that's advertiser-friendly. How do you know? Even though that's the kind of stuff that it's probably considered not advertiser friendly by a lot uh, by the algorithm for a lot of other people's channels, and it's just one of those things. that's like, yeah, how do they know? How does this algorithm work? Like, this just seems like it's destined to fail. To well, me. how do you because how they, do you know if it's advertiser friendly or like you're saying which, yeah. which ones were or weren't? Like, how how are you able to? say... They don't let you know. That's another problem with it. They don't let you know. There's no communication. There's no like message under the video. That says why it's not advertiser friendly. No, but my question, just, my question is, how do you, Mike? How do you personally know that the cummy was advertiser friendly, but the chud one was not? Like because how? it doesn't show. Because it because there's a there's a message. There's like a little thing on the monetization icon. Yeah. So the monetization icon, when I go on my video manager, if it's advertiser friendly, I won't see any message that says it's not advertiser friendly. Oh really? It'll just be green. 
Yeah. Oh, shit. I'm going to check mine right now and see if mine shows that. I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, of course, the goddamn computer wants to take forever now. If you've earned less from ads recently, it may be because some of your videos have been identified have been identified as not suitable for all advertisers. See, <laughs> oh my you god, you got the message! Wow, see videos. Oh wow, okay, okay. So I have a handful that aren't suitable for advertisers. Uh, we're edgy. We're we're total edge lords. Apparently, two, four, six, eight. <laughs> our uh, Patreon introduction video, where we welcome people to our Patreon page, that is not suitable for advertisers. Um, That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, oh my! Uh, this isn't this isn't even a public video. Uh, it, it's why uh, all unsolved mysteries videos are removed. Hashtag where's the fair use? And it shows me flicking the bird on the thumbnail. Uh, with the Unsolved Mysteries logo behind me. I can me. see why that might not be advertiser-friendly. Yeah. Wow, dude, This is, was this just rolled out today? Uh, it's been been rolling out for uh, a few days. I, I didn't really see anything on my channel until recently, and I was thinking maybe I would get around it. Like, they just ignore me because I'm some smaller channel compared to the bigger ones. But no. And it's even got this thing now where unless your video has over a 1,000 views, it's not going to get reviewed to see whether or not it actually is advertiser friendly. Oh. Which I yeah, I mean, well that's that 1000 views is actually a pretty low benchmark. But well, some of these videos on here yeah. only have like 100 views, 65 views. Yeah. It's kind of how sad. But if you're that type of person who's trying to start out, you're just basically shit out of luck. Huh. All right. Well, hey guys, if any if if any of the listeners out here there don't know what YouTube is, then you must have really hated the past 10 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> Which, I mean, finding someone who doesn't know what YouTube is at this point is like finding someone who doesn't know what, like, a McDonald's is. It's kind of ubiquitous <laughs> at this point. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I apologize. This is all on me. You can get mad at me. I, I brought it up. But it, it's just, it is something that's been on my mind lately, you know, as a YouTuber and, and dealing with all this kind of stuff. No, hey, I'm, uh, I'm a YouTuber as well, a much smaller one. And but, it kind of you know. does tie into our podcast because the episodes that I posted on there that were... Uh, I put on private because of they had the old logo and everything. They were not. Some of them were not. De- uh, they were not advertiser friendly either. <laughs> Apparently. Huh. Well. Anyway, let's Which get. Which is interesting. Let's get into so, some unsolved mysteries. Speaking of rich entitled people, we get to the case of Dan Short. Um. Now. This is a guy who, even though he was probably rich and entitled, he definitely didn't serve the die, especially the way that he did. Dan Short is, uh, uh, this is a case from season two. Season two again. It's just, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty solid season. So this one stood out to me because of the circumstances of this man's death. And apparently he might have been, actually it's more than likely he was, tied to a chair and then thrown off a bridge into the water below and there's uh, evidence to suggest that he was conscious during all of this not fun no so 51 year old Dan Short was the president of a local bank in Noel, Missouri at 8am on the morning of October 6th 1989, one of his employees came to work and found the vault open and $70,000 stolen. The FBI had two separate police agencies on the case. 
They found two forty-five caliber shell casings on the floor. When they tried to contact Dan, they were unsuccessful. As a result, he became the first suspect in the case. However, the investigation changed on October 11th after his body was found taped to a chair and floating in Grand Lake, 20 miles from the bank. He had apparently been dropped in the water while he was still alive. I just imagine that it would just be horrible. It's the kind of thing, you know, how the mob does. You know, the mob, like, puts, bri- you know, cement bricks on your feet and then tosses your ass into the river. Yeah. The state police were now not only searching for the bank thieves, but also cold-blooded killers. Investigators found that when Dan became president in 1983, the local economy was in bad shape. Economy's been in bad shape back then, since then, now. Doesn't seem like it gets much better, if you think, <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, he had to balance the needs of the local people with the bank's need to turn a profit. In the process, he had alienated a few people, which is a nice way to say he pissed off some people. You know, he, he made a few people mad and and made some people around him hate his guts. Some individuals had their belongings repossessed and their credit denied. Okay, that is pretty. Yeah, but I mean lame. that's that's the job. You know, that's uh, banks. You know, they 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 can't just yep. you know. Give everybody everything. They can't let somebody just well, yeah, understand. Be a delinquent and oh, that's fine. You didn't make your payment this month or last month or yeah, you can still keep living in your house. You know, like they got to crack the yeah. whip at some point. That's why the 2008 uh, housing crash happened is because banks were too fast and loose giving loans to everybody. You know, people who didn't qualify. To, that's part of it. Yeah, That's probably not the only reason. Oh, yeah, no, I'm treading in a dangerous territory anytime I try to talk anything like like <laughs> government or policy. Like, I'm just really treading into, like, thin waters of I don't know what I'm talking about, so I need to kind of, like... treading on thin ice. Yeah. So, but, you know, I still think it's stuff that's interesting, and, and it, it is something that is worth discussing. It's just the kind of thing where it feels like you're walking on eggshells when you talk about that kind of stuff. However, he was friendly with most of his customers and appeared to have no known enemies. Dan lived in an isolated home eight miles from town. On the night of the robbery, October 5th, he had a guest over at his house who left around 11 p.m. The investigators believe that the killers abducted him between 11 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. from his house, most likely at gunpoint. They believe that he and the killers arrived at the bank at around 2 a.m. and that they forced him to turn off the alarm and unlock the doors. They damaged the cameras and then forced him to open the vault. In the end, they took $70,000 in there. However, they took the $70,000 that was in this vault. However, they left behind at least $100,000 that may not they may not have known about. Witnesses heard one of the assailants shooting at one of the cameras around 3 a.m. So this, this makes me believe that these were not people who knew him. These were not people who worked. Maybe they were, but these weren't people who worked at the bank. Because if they did, they would have known that there there was another 100000 in the vault somewhere. A few minutes later, a caravan of three vehicles was seen by a trucker. The first vehicle was believed to have been Dan's pickup truck. The second vehicle was a blue pickup truck that later passed the trucker. At a certain point, they ditched, they ditched Dan's pickup truck and placed him in a van and in a kitchen chair with weights attached. Authorities believe that he was unconscious but alive at the time he was thrown into the river... Well, at least he was unconscious, but still, you know, he could have 
possibly woken up. I mean, the cold water probably would have woken him up immediately. And then he drowned while he was fully conscious. Ugh. More than likely. I know. Ugh. Although, uh, although I hear drowning is, um, I mean, as, as awful as it sounds to us, uh, I, I hear that it's actually one of the easier ways to, to die. Cause, well, I, I uh, would say it's definitely... Uh, depends on how you drown, I think. For example, if you're just stuck there and you're at the mercy of the tide rolling in, that probably isn't very fast. It's probably a pretty slow drowning death. Fast drowning, you're underwater, your weights are attached, or you're just, you know, run out of air. <laughs> okay, maybe that, maybe that might be less... I think the fear and the panic would be the worst aspects to that yeah. death, not necessarily the physical pain, like like getting burned alive. Or... Well, burned alive is like right up there at the top, or or with acid, or with fire, or or like that guy at uh, who was thrown into a smelter. Oh God, yeah, Dave Box. Yeah, the NLO catastrophe. You know, they had this like uh, all these like various torture devices uh, back in the day. One of them was, like, this bronze bull, and it was, like, hollow, and they would, like, put, yeah. put the people inside the bull, and then they would, like, build a fire underneath the bull. So yeah, the bull, fire pit, yeah. Yeah, and the bull would heat up and get super hot. And they, like, fashioned the nostrils of the bull to where, like, the more the person screamed, it would make, like, this whistling sound. I think, like, uh, they, they even like would make it to where like smoke would come out of the nostrils. So it was like this entertaining. Uh, there was like an element of sick like entertainment to the whole thing. God, that is that's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So witnesses, uh, they they believe that he was unconscious but alive at the time he at the time he was thrown into the river due to the fact that he was not gagged. Witnesses saw a dark van on the bridge, which they believe he was thrown from around six a.m. But it sped off before they could obtain a license plate number. The killers remain at large. It's always a van. It's always some dark van. Tell the side of the road. Unsolved Mysteries gave those those vans like nobody can drive a van anymore. And Unsolved Mysteries is part of that reason. Like a big white van, like an like a unless it says like Johnny's heating and air conditioning on the side of the van. If it's just a plain white van. You know, with no windows, yeah, you're fucked. You just you can't you can't own one of those anymore without somebody thinking something. There were none. There were no suspects at the time the case was broadcast. Although some people believe that the killers may have been people who were angered, angry with the bank, and had decided to take it out on Dan. Dan had denied several people credit, so it was theorized that one of these people was involved in the murder. If that is the case, what kind of petty prick are you to to do that to kill somebody? Especially that way, tie them to a chair, put weights around their ankles, and throw them into the river. Over, they denied you some credit, yeah. probably because you're a cheap ass. You don't have enough money to be to really be able to pay it back. Well, I mean, the someone who would do that, it's like, Jesus, have you just gotten your way in every other aspect of your life for yeah. your entire life and the first person that tells you no, you, you can't have something, you just kill them? You don't tell me no. Nobody tells me no. I live in Banjo Case, Missouri. I've always gotten my way here as long as I've lived here. I know everybody. Nobody tells Big Jimbo Jones no. You gonna die tonight. Fire. 
<laughs> Sound like uh, was uh, Byers, Christopher Byers just said. <laughs> yeah. Or wait, no. That was the kid. No, that's that's the kid. Okay, so now I didn't sound like what was it? Mark. Yeah, there you go, Mark Byers. Anyway, sorry. So yeah. Another theory was that Dan stumbled onto something at his bank, either money laundering or some other illegal activity, and was silenced. That's that's a pretty plausible one too. Yeah. It would make sense that they'd silence him. And that, and what if it was a mob-related thing? That kind of ties it tied to the chair, put weights around your ankles, throw your ass in a river. You gotta sleep with the fishes, Dan. <laughs> I like that wording. Throw your ass in a river. <laughs> <laughs> right by the van, down by the river. <laughs> a witness spotted a medium blue Chevy LUV pickup near truck near Dan's red pickup truck around the time of the murder. Inside the blue truck was a heavy-set white male with long brown hair and a beard. One week before the murder, the LUV and its driver resided at a local gas station by the same witness that would later see them on the night of the murder. The witness noticed that the truck had a white toolbox on the back and had an Oklahoma license plate. The Chevy LUV was seen again near Dan's home just four days before his murder. I believe the guy, the fat guy in, in the Chevy pickup truck is somebody who's you know definitely tied into this crime. And uh, Dan told his brother that he felt he was being staked out, and on one occasion his home was actually broken into. Because of this information, investigators believe Dan's killers planned everything in advance. Now, this case first aired on the March 21st, 1990 episode. I think it was one of the last uh, few episodes of the Amazon Prime episodes from Season 2. It was also documented on Forensic Files, the FBI Files, and Swamp Murders. Swamp Murders, God. Apparently, though, it's solved. Uh, in March of 1992, uh, brothers Shannon and Joseph Agofsky were arrested and charged with robbery and Dan's murder. Shortly after the murder, Shannon had allegedly bragged of his friends that he was the richest teenager in the county, presumably due to the robbery. <laughs> God. Dumbass. Not, not very smart. And investigators... Blah, 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 blah. That's all, folks. No. Still got more. Investigators discovered that the two owned forty-five caliber firearms... However, the parents claimed that they were at home at the time of the murder, so they were not considered suspects. Shortly after the murder, a wad of duct tape was found on the shore of the river that Dan was found in. Forensic and chemical testing determined that this tape came from the same roll that was used to tie Dan to the chair. Fingerprints found on this piece of tape were matched to Shannon Agofsky. Investigators discovered that the brothers had been spending large amounts of money in the months following the murders, even though they were unemployed. Come on! If you got away with it, show some fucking restraint. Put that shit, save it for somewhere. At least move out of the fucking area. Like, I don't... See, this is what I was talking about last week that separates people like Pedro Uribe, a professional career criminal, from just these small-town yeah. thugs, you know? This is, this is every mistake that you could make in, in trying to murder and rob someone and get away with it. Like, any mistake you could possibly make, they, they pretty much, like, went down the list here. I guess I didn't think forensics is really going to, you know, you, you at least wear you got to wear gloves so then none of your DNA gets on the tape. Jeez, Mike, you sure do know a lot about getting away with murder. Don't, don't, don't spend... Well, I've watched so many episodes of Forensic Files. That's that's one of the main reasons why. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> sure it is. Come on. You know I wouldn't hurt a fly, let alone do anything like that. 
Maybe you... actually, I would hurt a fly. I don't like flies, so <laughs> I don't know, Mike. Maybe some. Maybe... I don't understand that term. Like he wouldn't hurt a fly. Bullshit. <laughs> well, I guess the term is like because the fly is the easiest animal to kill and not feel bad about. It's like, man, if he wouldn't even hurt a fly, then he must really be a nonviolent person. I guess that's what yeah. they're going with. Yeah, like and I guess there are some people who won't hurt flies, but I don't know. Fly, you know. I mean, even I'll, even I'll just, kill a fly. I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, flies are annoying, and once they just start spreading in your house, it's just not, it's not fun. It's like, get out of here. I'm not shooing them out. They're, they're getting swatted. So, it's not like I take any sort of sick pleasure out of it, though, like some people do. Mike, no one brought up sick pleasure. That's weird that you would say that out of nowhere. <laughs> now I'm thinking that there is some sick pleasure involved. There isn't. <laughs> Mike, this 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 uh, interrogation isn't going very good in your favor, I gotta say. <laughs> I'm not being interrogated. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, the investigators discovered that the brothers have been spending large amounts of money even though they were unemployed. A witness also identified a chain hoist found with Dan's body as one he had left at the Avgovsky home. <laughs> the Avgovsky's mother also owned a brown van, similar to the one seen on the bridge on the night of the murder. Based on the evidence, the Avgovsky brothers were convicted of robbery and sentenced to life in prison. Shannon was convicted of Dan's murder and was given another life sentence. Joseph's murder trial ended in a hung jury. Prosecutors decided not to retry him since he was already serving a life sentence for the robbery. In March 2013, Joseph died in prison from unknown causes, causes at the age of 46. Shannon is now in death row for the 2001 murder of a fellow prison inmate. All right, so that was the Dan Short segment. Um, yeah, you're right about season two. Season one and two, it seemed like um, for the longest time, and even still now, like all of our podcasts uh, are derived from season one or two. Like right when you think that, like, okay, we have to have talked about everything at this point. It's like, nope, here's another case from season one or season two. So uh, there's even one more I, I have in mind, but I have to. That's one that doesn't really have a lot of writing available already you know like notes and stuff from wikia or any of these other places so oh no it looks like you'll have, have to take do, notes the old-fashioned way i'll have way. to do so yes and that's fine i will definitely do that um yeah a lot of the stuff that i seem to like is from the later seasons as far as the ufos and stuff are concerned those all tend to be later on in the uh, show a lot of the segments that are on the ultimate collection are from i wonder if they stopped they didn't do ufos until a little bit light i mean rose roswell roswell what what the fuck is Rosewell? Rosewell sounds uh, like Ro some academy in England. <laughs> Rosewell Academy. You just offended like 50% of our British listeners. They don't like their accent being mocked. That's one thing I know about Brits. <laughs> yes, I'm going to make that blanket statement because I consider myself an expert in the field because I made a British food taste testing video one time. And I did, like, the extreme, like, Cockney, like, you know, I'm not even going to attempt it. I didn't go that far, though. No, that you didn't. You did, a, you did a more elegant uh, Londoner. I went straight up Cockney with mine. And Maybe that's why they were offended, that, that, you know. But, you know, but, but it's like Americans aren't, aren't mocked constantly in the rest of the world. American accents, like... Well, it's, it's also hard to do... a. a typical American like what kind of accent do I even have it's not really we think it's hard accent. we think it's hard to do that's because we speak that way but I want to say it is because I look at all these uh actors who are from different countries you know who are 
who are born overseas, and they're trying to do American accents. Sometimes they'll pull it off, but there's a lot of times where their other their actual normal accent will bleed through. Yeah, but I mean, you look at people like Hugh Laurie, Doctor House. Oh yeah, I mean that guy's absolutely incredible. amazing. So, but not every every actor is like that. I've seen instances where you know what's their, funny their about people who through. try to do American accents is they the only part that they fall short is that they fail to have any kind of regional dialect to really authenticate the accent. Because yeah. no matter where you're from, you have at least like 5% of a regional accent. I have a a slight southern accent, Yeah, whatever. And, and, and House, like, you know, that show House, uh, his accent is so... Uh, I don't know. It's just it's an yes, it's a very good American accent, but it's like there's no kind of regional thing flair to it. So it's like kind of like I don't know, whatever. Well, it's like Daniel Craig in his uh Lucky Logan character accent that he's doing. It's supposed to be the southern guy, and I, I just felt I didn't really I didn't buy it. I don't buy it because it sounds like he's just imitating a southern accent. Yeah. So the next case we have is the Curious case of the swoop and squat. The swoop and squat, and we are not talking about what you might do in a public restroom if you have to, if you had too many, uh, <laughs> too many chimichangas. Yeah, exactly. Too many chimichangas or spicy chicken sandwiches. Uh, we're not talking about that. We are talking about uh, essentially an insurance fraud. That's exactly what this is. Um, yeah, this is one I would have liked to talk about eventually anyway, because when I first saw this one, I was blown away by just the just sheer audacity. The audacity, the balls that the, some of the people involved, you know, have yeah. to have to pull this off. Um, this is uh, this is actually anytime I talk about a segment that I remember from my childhood, I like to, you know, mention that because those are uh, especially special to me if I remembered it in the title. The title, just hearing Robert Stack say swoop and squat, you know, is, is okay. I get, brings a smile to my face. Apparently that does something for Mike, does nothing for me, but I do remember this from my childhood, so um, I like watching this on the Lifetime reruns or whatever. Um, well, I mean, it's just, you don't hear him say that kind of stuff very often on the show. It's, it's kind of a funny name, I thought. Swoop and squat. Yeah. Okay. Teach their own. Different strokes for different folks. Uh, so on June 17, 1992, a car collided with a truck along Interstate 5, a Los Angeles highway. One of the passengers, Jose Perez, was killed. Police were shocked to learn that it was part of a fraud attempt. The swoop and swat, squat scheme involves two... Swoop and swat, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, swoop and swat, that sounds like... Um, that sounds like swatting. That sounds like when one of your buddies like comes up behind you and, and cups your balls... It's not a fun experience. Um, swoop and or swat. smacks you upside the head. Yeah, that too. I don't know why I had to go like in the nether regions with it, but it's just kind of the lowbrow humor that I find funny. Anyway, the swoop and squat scheme involves two or three cars and a victim, usually a large truck. The large trucks are preferred because the people know that the trucks are going to carry a lot of insurance and they're going to do the most damage. Usually semis. Yeah, usually semis, which pisses me off because my dad used to be a semi truck driver, and I yeah, I could just see that upsets me a lot too because both my dads are semi truck drivers. So yeah, yeah. So it's like I if some I could just see some bullshit like this happening to my dad. You know, back when my dad did drive trucks, you know, and that would 
that would make me angry if you know it did happen. Obviously, um, the first car, the quote unquote squat car, uh, and, and check this shit out, folks. Listen to this: the first car goes in front of the truck, the semi truck, while the second car boxes it in on the left hand side. So let's say that the semi is in the far right-hand lane, which they usually are because that's kind of the slower lane, and that's kind of where semis are supposed to be. Um, They're not definitely not supposed to be hanging out in the far left-hand lane on a highway uh, because that's considered the passing lane. Um, So, you know, anyway. So let's say the semi is in the far right-hand lane, and so the, the swoop car is right in front of the, the, the semi-truck, and then you have the second car, which boxes the truck in to its left-hand side. And then the squat car tries to distract the driver, usually kind of by like slowing down and, and really riding the, um, bumper of the, the front bumper of the semi-truck, uh, while the third car, the swoop car, gets into position. Then what happens, uh, and, and the swoop car is like in the far, far left-hand lane. So the swoop car quickly drives in front of the squat car, which causes the squat car and the victim's truck, the semi-driver, to slam on brakes. But obviously a car is going to slam on brakes and be able to come to a stop quicker than a semi. So this causes the truck to hit the squat car. The occupants usually suffer from minor, quote-unquote, soft tissue injuries because those are the hardest to prove that they are actually... They're just like, oh, my neck, yeah. oh, oh my, my, my lower back, oh, ow. And the reenactment they have is great because it had these people trying to act like they got hurt and it was not believable in the slightest. <laughs> so they report that to an attorney who makes the claim. Sometimes the attorneys make millions of dollars from these schemes. They are usually the ringleaders of these operations, working out of the safety of their office buildings. They usually receive most of the money, while the drivers of the cars, which is arguably the most dangerous part of the whole operation, receive the least amount of money. A middleman known as a capper, who often finds the people to do this job, will practically do, uh, or they find people who will do practically anything for money, are paid homeless. They are paid as little as three hundred dollars for the scheme. Now, homeless people, drug addicts. In this scene, in in the in the recreation from how they're showing it, it was illegal aliens. It was. It yeah. Was, well, that it could be that too, but it's probably homeless people, drug addicts, uh, legal aliens, or people who have you know come into the country illegally. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, and and the thing that pissed me off the most about this was not only just the whole oh I got hurt. It, it's the attorneys who are ringleaders behind all of this shit. Like, like you don't make enough fucking money already as it is. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. It's pretty. It's it's a perfect example of. It's like a it's like a microcosm of what what the politicians do it's like they already make decent money they already have good health insurance plans but they make all these backdoor deals with lobbyists and shit to make sure that they can line their pockets even more you know congress votes to give themselves a a raise you know and shit like that it just it's, it's like a it's like this is all throughout the uh the the world of like you know, law and politics and all that shit. It just reminds me of that, and it, it it's just like, well... What? It's just another layer of bullshit. Exactly, at the end of the day. 
Um, after the crash that happened on Interstate 5, several swoop and squat drivers came forward and identified the two ringleaders, Philemon Santiago and Gary Miller. Santiago was a Mexican national who lived in Los Angeles. Papers in his apartment linked him to Miller, who was a prominent attorney. Miller has since been arrested, but denies any involvement in the schemes. Of course, he denies it. Santiago remains at large. Um, and there's an update to this case. Uh, captured. Gary Miller was sentenced to six years for vehicular manslaughter, fraud, and conspiracy. He has since been released. I, that statement always bugs me. Whenever I watch the old Unsolved Mysteries on Amazon Prime, that phrase, he has since been released, I, it, it always bugs me. Yeah. It's like, damn it. Yeah. You know? Like back out on you know because you, uh -huh. you'd like to think that these people just dry up and die in jail and they're and they're never going to be released uh you know they're never going to be able to go back and enjoy you know living in society but uh part of me wants to believe in the idea of redemption it's just hard for me to really do that with certain criminals like, this kind of thing, like, he already didn't have any respect for human life. I'm like, why would I really think that he would have, all of a sudden, gained some if he's been in prison for a little bit? Just doesn't doesn't really compute with me. And, and it's okay if there are people out there who disagree. I, I have no issue with that. That's just how I feel about it. Now, apparently, this is not just... Uh, this is one of, ver of many different varieties of the fake car crash scam. Uh, here's uh, three others. The panic stop requires two merging traffic lanes. As one driver tries to merge into the next lane, he is waved forward by a car who proceeds to crash into the unsuspecting driver, later claiming that they never realized the person was going to merge lanes. The sideswipe involves a victim, victim's car who drifts into the adjacent lane while making a turn. The perpetrator of this fraud rushes to crash into the car that just drifted into his or her lane. Claiming innocence, the per perpetrator then submits a claim to their insurer. The last one is shady helpers. This type of fraud usually happens after a genuine crash has occurred. A fraud runner will solicit a crash victim and advertise the services of specific repair shops, chiropractors, or lawyers. These in turn, there's the doorbell, Will submit fraudulent sub, submit fraudulent claims on the victim's behalf, or deceive the victim into undergoing unnecessary treatments, or lawsuits. And apparently, Florida is the only state that has specific legislation against faking a car crash in order to receive insurance money. Other states have passed or are eyeing diverse legislation targeting efforts by gangs to bring in real and fake crash passengers to lodge phone phony the large phone crash injury claims. At least 15 states and the District of Columbia passed laws targeting runners of crash gangs or soliciting of real auto crash passengers. Jeez. I don't have much else to say about the swoop and squat particular uh, fraud case. Um, it was interesting because it's a, it's, a, it's a variation of fraud. Normally you don't really see or hear a lot of frauds that involve Vehicles will involve car accidents. A lot of the time, it's it's a financial sort of thing, strictly. So, that this was definitely one that stood out in a good way. Well, my thing about it is like, you know, he, 
it, it, for all intents and purposes, in this case, uh, all the examples, and they even showed some news footage at the beginning of the segment, and they were they were Hispanic. I'm assuming Mexican, since those nine times out of ten, uh, and this happened in uh, California, uh, nine times out of ten, though that's that's the nationality of people who would be Hispanic would be willing to do this uh, would be Mexican. So, to me, it's like. I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that Mexico is so bad in such a shitty country that you would rather go to like illegally cross the border to America. That I that I understand. Like I don't agree with it. Like I think you should come here legally. But that like I at least understand why it's done and it's been done for so long now to where it's almost like you know like they don't take. I think, like, Mexicans don't really take it seriously, like, the border patrol and the security and the rules and laws of the land. They're just like, whatever, you know, my uncle and my cousin, and they they all did it, and they're living, you know, making a lot more money, so fuck it. But, like, I don't understand, like, how it's so shitty in Mexico that you would be willing to get in a car and slam on brakes in in front of a semi... I mean, dude, you're risking your life. Like that, you're literally you're you're playing Russian roulette. You're putting a bullet in the chamber of a gun, and you're spinning it around, and you're pulling the trigger against your head. Like, I don't understand anybody who could who could do this. Like, that's <laughs> that's nuts, man. Like, just think about that. Like, you're in a car. I mean, I've been in front of semis. I've been behind semis. I've been beside semis, and. It, it freaks me out even being next to them because they're these big, huge behemoths of vehicles. And, I mean, it, it would not take much at all to just knock your ass off the road or whatever. But to, like, slam on brakes in front of a semi, um, I mean, that's, 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 that's so ballsy. That's what I don't understand. And, and, like, I don't know, for the attorney to, like, take all that money and only give, like, a couple hundred bucks to the people who risk their lives, I mean... Yeah, granted, they're dumbasses, so that you know, I don't feel that bad for them. I don't feel bad for them at all, actually, in any way, shape, or form. But I don't know. I guess that's what really blows my mind about the whole swoop and squat thing. And apparently, it was proliferating enough in the '90s for Unsolved Mysteries to do a whole segment on it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that clearly is the case. I mean, it, it it seemed like it was an epidemic of sorts in California for a while. So hopefully uh, people have cut that shit out. Although, you know, I don't know if you have this uh, where you live, Mike, but I, we still have a slew of these uh, Ask Gary and Ask Dave and all these lawyer hotline uh-huh. and lawyer referral services. No, I, I, but then again, I don't watch a lot of TV. So well, it's on the radio as well. It's on radio oh, okay. and t- it's all over the place. So I mean, there, there, there's. It's. I think as long as the insurance companies have like such a grip on things, people are going to pl- uh-huh. find exploitive. Uh, holes I like in how the Florida, your state, your home state, is the one that has the legislation that makes this stuff like really illegal. Pro- but all the other states are like not as. Probably because it was happening more here than any other state to where they needed to make a law because, you know, that's just the great state that I live in, apparently. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. Florida's all right. I'm 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 literally I I am over summer like I'm over it. I am fucking over summertime in Florida right this this year. Um, I mean, obviously, it's hot as balls, but I mean, it's the humidity. Yeah. 
I mean, dude, it rains every day. It's, it's, so it's like hot rain. So it's like it's take, taking a shower. You're going outside, you can take a shower. It's hot rain. And well, I like a hot shower, but I don't think I'd like it with the rain. You know, I already took a hot shower. I don't need to experience that again. Oh, you know, Mike hit puberty just then, folks. Congratulations <laughs> yeah. to him. Uh, yeah, no, I, it sucks, because, like... That st- stupid voice does that every now and then. Yeah, I think you're really hot. Can, can I hold your hand? Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm over it, dude. It, it, I mean, it like, hot and wet, no bueno. I mean, every time I walk outside, there's puddles everywhere. I mean, I'm just glad I don't live with my parents anymore, because my parents, where they live, they live out in the middle of nowhere, out in the country, and uh, they got, like, dirt roads, and it's, like, literally, like, a country music uh, song, you know. Oh, like the, I love you, like, a back road? <laughs> so, driving down the dirt road, something down, sound wow. It's, like, one of, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's where they live. So when it rains out there, it is, like, just the muck and mire. I get, every time you say Ugh. every time you say muck, you have to say mire. You can't just say muck. It's you got to throw mire in there too. Muck and mire, and yeah, it's just it's awful. So I am sounds like a lawyer team of lawyers that you hear <laughs> on the Florida radio. <laughs> Call the law offices of Muck and Mire at nine zero four. Yeah, that's our area code, by the way. <laughs> Representing that nine zero four Duval. That is only going to be relevant to like two percent of our listeners, but yeah. So we live in Duval County here in Jacksonville, Florida, and to show you the level of redneck that where I live, uh, the big thing uh, anywhere, like say you're at a sporting event, you could be anywhere. You could be at a high school graduation, just yelling Duval, just like yelling that out like that. Like that's like such a cool thing to do. Apparently, it's like so. It's it's like the scene in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure where. The guy didn't have a speech, so he was just like, "Send Dean high school football rules." <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that is that is the exact equivalent. Uh, so anybody who's not from Jacksonville, if you want to, you know, come up in here and and you know have people think that you're a local, just be like, "What's up? We in that 904 Duvo?" They even play that shit on the radio here, like the rap radio stations here. They have like a like a they have that. It's like a vocal sample. And they'll play it in between songs. It's 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 awful, dude. Can I please come live on the West Coast, Mike? Please, <laughs> for the love of God. You can if you want. If you want to move down here, that's that's fine. It's not cheap though. I don't know why I get a place down I don't here. Know why I asked your permission? <laughs> that was kind of weird. All right, uh, let's move on to our final segment. We have three this week because they're a little on the shorter, a little on the shorter side. There, uh, it's the case of Michael Ziegler. Uh, <laughs> He lost a fucking finger, kid. Wow, I'm totally like aping Bill Burr's podcast right now. Um, now this is a case of therapeutic touch, and the uh, victim uh, who was healed is uh, his name's Michael Ziegler. In November 1984, seven-year-old pianist Michael Ziegler was going to his karate class in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, when his right pinky finger was cut off after being caught in a door jam. Uh, I'm cringing right now. I can't do body parts getting lobbed off. Makes me cringe, especially thinking about a finger getting slammed. And uh, uh, And it's just a door. Like you're thinking like, oh, you're just getting Uh, your finger slammed. I've, I've I've had my 
fingers you know, slammed in doors before, but they've they yeah off. they haven't gotten ripped off. Yeah, I'm thinking like what kind of like a razor blade steel door like <laughs> what kind of fucking door these this dojo have? You know, like you must like like did, when he cr- came in through the uh, door into the karate class and he lost his finger. Was his sensei like that was the first test? You know, like, <laughs> the samurai sword or something. Yeah, like you pass, <laughs> you pass first test. You're ready to start training now. Like, or, or you failed. Yeah, or you, you failed. You failed right? Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. Um, so his mother, when he lost his finger, he's like, "Mom, I lost my finger." And his mother, Jeanette, began using therapeutic touch, otherwise known as TT. TT. Huh. <laughs> You hear that moment of silence? That's for that's for every bad joke. That is a moment of silence for every bad joke that was never laughed at in every poorly conceived, you know, plot of trying to make something funny. Uh, you know, I'm just pouring out a glass for a moment of silence, people. <sighs> Way to really derail the podcast, Josh, and take any fucking momentum you had out of the therapeutic touch segment and just totally ruin it. Um so for anybody who's still listening, I don't know why you would. Anyway, his mother Janet began using therapeutic touch, an alternative healing technique, uh, to keep him calm. Now, basically, therapeutic touch, and you can see this in the segment. Uh, I believe this on a uh, season six. I want to say um, therapeutic touch. She's basically so he lost his finger, and she she takes her hands, and she starts doing like you know. Have you ever seen like ravers? who have those like lights on their fingers yeah. and they just kind of like flam flail them around all over and do like, you know, flam lamb flam lamb. Yeah, they just kind of like yeah, the they twist their wrists and they're moving their arms all oh, yeah. around and all that shit. It, it's therapeutic touch is kind of like a very slow motion version of that, but the person's doing it like all around your body, but they're not actually touching you. They're like inches off your skin. But their hands uh-huh. are just floating all over you and floating around you, but they're not actually mm. touching you. That is therapeutic touch. Uh, the, te- the technique created by Dolores Krieger can be used when normal medicine fails. It involves a practitioner using their energy, man, to help heal the in- injured person. Michael was able to stay calm due to therapeutic touch, the therapeutic touch his mother did. They rushed him and his severed finger to the hospital nearby. Uh, Jeanette told the doctor that he needed his finger attached because he is a pianist. But the doctor said that it would not work. This finger would never take. She insisted that he do it anyway, and he eventually agreed. He was able to reattach his finger and recommended that Michael go to a plastic surgeon. Um, All the while being a Debbie Downer, being like, yeah, it's not going to work. It's going to fall off. And the mom's like, yeah, whatever, buddy. Uh, the surgeon also said that it would never work, the plastic surgeon. So, but, you know, a bunch of Debbie Downers in here, but uh, Jeanette believed in her. Well, that's, that's what they're, you know, that, that's what they're trained to do, is to always look at the most realistic option. What about... So I don't blame them Mike, for saying that kind of thing. Mike, what about love? What about, what about believing in children? You're ignorant, Mike. <laughs> Okay, Mike. <laughs> okay, MJ. Mike, that's <laughs> ignorant. What you're saying is ignorant. Don't 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 you have a, a monkey to go play with? <laughs> no, I don't have a monkey, Mike. That's ignorant to say that. Therapeutic touch works, Mike. You gotta believe. Just because just because medical science says that it can't work, that's ignorant. That's not true. You gotta believe in the power. There's a place in your heart, and I know if you trust Shamona, you can find there's heaven. 
Well, sorry guys, um, the ghost of Michael Jackson was just channeled through me. Uh, that was crazy. <laughs> I don't know how that happened just then. Uh, I guess whenever Mike says something that I find ignorant, that's going to happen from now on. <laughs> you got to believe, Mike. Uh, so anyway, for eight weeks, Jeanette continued to use therapeutic touch on Michael. The technique apparently worked, and Michael's finger, 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 finger healed. Within a month, he was back playing the piano. And oh my God, was he ever. Um, they show, uh, so in this segment, they're showing this Michael kid. And, and, and he was a kid when this happened. And it's shown him now, and he looks like maybe he's a teenager in this segment when it aired. Um, and it's showing him, uh, it said in the, um, in the whole segment, it's saying that uh, music was still a part of Michael's life. And it shows him on the piano. And man, he is ripping that piano a new asshole. Like, this guy is just shredding on the piano in this segment. I can't believe how good. And and he was a teenager in this. I mean, he looks like a teenager at least. And he is just like going to town on this piano. Um, I wish they kept, I wish they let him play the whole piece. But I know that they, you know, have to edit it for TV and all. But it was. Sounds like he was a prod. prod Yeah, dude, he was. He he was an amazing piano player. And now, apparently, this isn't the only case that was covered on this particular segment. There's another one uh, about these uh, two people named George and Marie. Uh, In November of 1993, Marie was six months pregnant with her husband. And with her husband. Six months Damn, pregnant with her husband. She was six months pregnant. What kind of crazy backwards... Wow, man. That I don't know what country that is, but... That's such an amazing... Pregnant right with, her, six with her, her husband. Damn. Ugh, push. Oh, he's so beautiful. I do. Okay. A little ra- <laughs> this would be a tough one to recover yeah. from. <laughs> I'm just gonna start over. This will, dude, uh, let's just let's just. It's so it's so funny. Can we just so funny? I, I was crying. Can we just admit <laughs> that uh, that this this entire podcast is just a B roll? I think that the, the episode sixty will go down as just our the B roll podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a bad thing. It makes it more entertaining. Sure. So in November 1993, Marie was six months pregnant with her husband and with her husband. Almost did it again. Wow. I did it again, but it's just how it's worded. So she was six months pregnant and with her husband, George. I mean, like, why wouldn't she be with her husband <laughs> if she's six months pregnant? Is she going to be there with somebody else? Maybe. When they learned from her doctor that she had a serious disease that could kill her baby, they completed a C-section on her and delivered her daughter, Mariah. When she was born, she was three months premature, weighed less than three pounds, and was very ill. A hospital priest baptized her, feeling that she would soon pass away. While she was put on a respirator, a nurse named Joanne O'Reilly perform- performed therapeutic touch, TT, TT, on her, in hopes of saving her. Within minutes of the TT, she began improving. Joanne did TT on Marie as well, as she was in critical condition. Her pain went away shortly after the TT session. Today, mother and daughter both are now better thanks to Joanne and TT. I would like to see a little bit more about this, like other research about therapeutic touch and all of that. This kind of seems to like fall under the placebo effect thing to me. Well, no, they have in the segment they have a um, they 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 have like an uh, I think it was a nurse or something or a medical expert of some kind. Uh-huh. Uh, I know there's kind of a big 
kind of gap between a nurse and a medical expert, but whatever. There's some medical person who... Nurses know a lot, so it's not like they're complete novices. Well, yeah, but, you know, I, I don't know. Whatever. Um, some medical... The, op- the opposing voice... Personnel. Yeah, there you go. Medical personnel. There you go. Uh, basically saying that therapeutic touch is not is not in any of the medical literature. Uh, it is completely um, not not able to be proven. Um, but I guess it's not able to be disproven either. So it's kind of like one of those mystical falls in between category kind of things. Um, and yeah, she's basically saying any benefits from it would be placebo. Which, I mean, whatever. If it works, it works. I mean, that's even yeah. That's George was even saying that in the segment about their child that was healed using therapeutic touch. He's like, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to say about it, it worked. You know, he's like, I'm I'm a yeah. numbers guy. He's like, I'm an accountant. You know, I have to. You know, I, I I'm I'm interested in just the facts. And he's like, uh, I see therapeutic touch and it worked. And that's all I that's all I know and that's all I care about. And you know, whatever. Um, yeah, but you know, on one hand, though, we're only hearing about the cases that did work. How many of the of these uh, people who have gone to get treatment from therapeutic touch have not gotten any better? Have not had anything right. like that happen? It would be nice to know that percentage because if there's a percentage of like what two percent of people that it worked, and then the ninety eight percent it doesn't, that's not really something that I really feel should be advertised or you know that means a lot these people are essentially ripping off these people who are in need it's the same kind of kind of the same thing as kind of these natural homeopathic remedies for stuff yeah i mean it's like you know yeah it's like they people love to loud you know when it uh when it works when it does the thing it's 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 touted to do people like to talk about it but yeah, how many how many people are out there where this did nothing? Uh, Steve Jobs, good example. He was totally going holistic and homeopathic. Uh, yeah. Did not take any kind of traditional chemotherapy treatment for his cancer, and he died. He just he, he his cancer killed him. If he had done traditional chemotherapy, and he had pl- enough money to be able to get the best treatment. Yeah, and that money could possibly buy. And had he done that, he might still be around today, making yeah. products that. Because there are people that have gotten cancer, and then thanks to chemotherapy and other treatments, and they've actually been able to beat it. So he could have done that, but decided a different route, and you know it is what it is. I mean, you could end up being like George Costanza and take a natural homeopathic thing and look like a fucking blueberry. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there's this thing I uh, this is on Wikipedia. It's about therapeutic touch, and there is a. a sort of a skeptic kind of approach, but there was actually like a study that somebody did I thought was interesting. Emily Rosa, at nine years of age, conceived and executed a study on therapeutic touch. She was nine years old, apparently, when she did this. So it's pretty safe safe to say that that, that this girl's already achieved more than than I have. With the help of Stephen Barrett from Quackwatch. I love that name. That name is just fantastic. Quackwatch. (laughs) And with assistance of her mother, Linda Rosa, RN, Emily became the youngest research team member to have a paper accepted by the Journal of American Medical Association for her part in the study of therapeutic touch, which debunked the claims of therapeutic touch practitioners. 21 practitioners in therapeutic touch participated in her study, and they attempted to detect her aura. 
Practitioners stood on one side of the cardboard screen while Emily stood on the other. The practitioners then placed their hands through the holes in the screen. Emily flipped a coin to determine which of the practitioners' hands she would place near hers near, without, of course, touching the hand. The practitioners were then able to indicate were then were to indicate if they could sense her biofield. That just sounds made up bullshit to me. I could sense your biofield. Your 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 biofield is is weak, or your biofield is strong. And where her hand was. Although all of the participants had asserted that they would be able to do this, the actual results did not support their assertions. After repeated trials, the practitioners had succeeded in locating her hand at a rate not significantly different from chance. JAMA editor George D. Lundberg, MD, recommended that patients and insurance companies alike refuse to pay for therapeutic touch or at least question whether or not payment is appropriate until or unless additional honest experimentation demonstrates an actual effect. There is no good medical evidence for the effectiveness of therapeutic touch. A Cochrane systematic review found that there is no rebuffed, robust, I like that word too, robust, there is no robust evidence that TT promotes healing of acute wounds. And the American Cancer Society has noted available scientific evidence does not support any claims that TT can cure cancer or other diseases. So use it at your own risk. Yeah, I mean... But, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to run out and be like, give me a pill to fix all my problems, you know. So it's like yeah, I, a placebo. I, yeah. I do believe that there's uh, there's room for holistic medicine in in uh, in the medical world. I believe that if when it's used in conjunction uh, with with uh, science, like medical advancements and medical. Well, science, yeah, I mean, it probably wouldn't do anything other than maybe help somebody make them feel better mentally. And help them de- develop, you know, more inner confidence with themselves when it comes to something like that. Um, well, you know, the brain is so powerful in healing and getting you sick. A lot of a lot yeah. of it starts in your mind, which it sucks for me. Mind over matter. Yeah, it sucks for me because I'm a I'm a hypochondriac, like a motherfucker. And I, when I heard that that oh, a lot of your you know healing and all it has to do with your own brain. It's like, well, I'm dead. I'm dead then because as soon as I get sick or something starts mess like goes wrong with me, I'm gonna have the worst, most negative thought train of thoughts. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna die. This is gonna get worse holy shit you know i i am not very meta or- i could be a serious hypochondriac too if i if i thought about it too much because i remember reading a medical book that my grandmother had because she was a nurse and i would just be reading and it'd be freaking me out and i'd be like oh my god i might have this or i might have that or or you know what's wrong with me like the symptoms are similar to this thing you know yeah yeah what i'm reading i mean no no no, no late night web md browsing for you josh just don't, don't go there. I, it, don't go on WebMD and be like cysts. Oh my God, I have a cyst. Then that means that I might have this, and then I might have that, or I could get this. <laughs> oh, all my things now are like all mental. Like, oh, I'm going crazy because I, uh, you know, can't sleep at night, or because this that, and the other. Actually, the, to the uh, whole insomnia tip, my insomnia has actually gotten better. Um, I haven't had a. Um, really bad night of sleep in quite a while at least a week i think at this point now Good. now sometimes it will take me like an hour to fall asleep sometimes like 30 minutes to an hour that's normal for me unless i'm extremely exhausted and tired right because 
Doesn't help that I drink a ton of caffeine. Yeah, I, I drink so I drink I can a, quite a bit of Coke Zeros before I go to bed myself. Yeah, so. so that's probably part of it too. Have you thought about maybe trying? Let's do water before I go to bed. Mm, no, I fucking hate water. To be honest, <laughs> I, I filtered water. I don't like any water. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like. I just don't like it. I'll drink it if I'm thirsty. Like I'm taste of water. Water's not supposed to have any taste to it. Maybe you could do That's the problem. water that, that has a little bit like sparkling water that has some flavors in it or something like that. Or give it a shot. Um, I do a mix of sparkling water and orange juice is actually really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's and, good. And, and lemonade and, spark, and sparkling water and Sprite can be yeah, really Sprite good. Yeah, Sprite and too. orange Sprite juice is very good. So is vodka and orange juice, do, Mike. Have you ever had that? Yeah, yeah, no. I've had sparkling. I've had champagne, orange if, juice. Mike, if, if if we end up going to a convention, like if we go to some podcast convention in 2018, which which we might be doing, folks, that that is not outside of the realm of possibility. But if we do that, I w- I want to get drunk with you, Mike. <laughs> I, I'll get drunk with you. All right, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. If me and Mike go to a podcast convention and we have to be there and do the whole hotel room and shit, me and Mike are going to the bar. We're getting drunk. So maybe we'll stream it or something. I don't know. Dude, I think, <laughs> you ever think about how much easier everything would be with this podcast and our interactions and shit? Like if we just like lived in the same area. Yeah. And you could just, be great. You could just come over and we could easily like, because uh, we're trying to work on this thing, ladies and gents, to where we uh, stream like where we watch the show Sightings. Obviously, there's reasons why we're not going to do Unsolved Mysteries, uh, but it, we watch the show Sightings, and we're going to like stream it. I'm thinking Twitch might be the best way to go with that. Um, and, YouTube has something like that, too, but... Uh, yeah, I just don't know how all the... And Twitch also ties in with YouTube, so you can do a Twitch stream and then also can be viewed on YouTube. Uh, YouTube, Google, it's this Google Plus thing, hang out, live Hangout deal. I've done it before. You have to download a special thing in order to get it to Oh, work, so you know how to do this then already. Well, I've been on one before. And we can, we'll can we do some research. Um, we're, we're hoping we're going to get that started pretty soon. Yeah, it would be fun. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Speaking of fun, it's time for some news. Of the bizarre... Was that bizarre enough? News of the constipated? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, that was bizarre. How bizarre? Uh, news of the bizarre. <laughs> yeah, 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 news of the... Uh, uh, wait, what's that word? <laughs> Shut up, Beavis. Why do you got to ruin everything? Oh, sorry. Sorry, my head. Yeah, I haven't done those voices in a while. Um, yeah, some news of the bizarre. Uh, okay, so our first article here is um, angry angry nationalists mistake photo of bus seats for women in burkas, uh, and uh, the the tagline under that is, is actually pretty funny. It goes uh, when hatred meets poor visual identification skills, which I think is kind of hilarious. Um, and yeah, I know there's been a lot of white national shit in the news lately. Um, it's funny cause like my brother finds all these news of the bizarre articles that we end up reading on our podcast. And he actually sent me this article many, many weeks before that Charlottesville stuff happened. So this just happens to be, uh, coincidental, um, not trying to jump on any bandwagon or anything. Not like that's a bandwagon you'd want to be on anyway. 
Um, so the article says, uh, this is hilarious. So I like how the article is already telling me how I'm supposed to feel about it. Well, another, another hilarious thing, I, I saw something on Facebook where one of these white nationalist guys, he's uh, now, he's has a video that he's posted where he's crying. Yeah, I briefly saw something about, I don't know what that video was about, but, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it said, it's like, what are you crying about? It says, this is hilarious. Last week, a Norwegian prankster named John Sladevac posted the following image to Facebook, uh, to a Facebook group called uh, Federettenland Fix Whatever, some Norwegian word. If it was German, I'd be able to read it. It means Fatherland First. It's a Nor- Norwegian nationalist group. Oh, yeah, okay. See where this is going. A uh, Sladevic captioned the image with, what do people think of this? The folks in this anti-immigrant group apparently thought they were looking at a photo of six women in burkas riding in a bus and began to make predictably disparaging comments, some of which have been screen captured, and it's all in uh, Norwegian. Only problem is, that's a photo of six empty bus seats. (laughs) Another Facebook user, Sindre Bayer, realized what was going on and reposted the photo to his own page. It went viral with commenters lambasting the nationalists. The Washington Post reports, the mockery has resulted in some angry reactions, Sladovic said, uh, but he did not take them seriously. Quote, I would say that this has also been educational, he said. I have thought about the differences between legitimate criticism of immigration to Europe and blind racism and xenophobia. I want to look into these differences, something I think... I have achieved by setting up this practical joke and watching their reactions. So yeah, literally people got upset. Uh, it, it, this is just a picture. I guess I can post a picture on our uh, Facebook group at some point if somebody reminds me. But it's a picture of six bus seats and um, someone going, what do you think of this? And people thought it was it was women in burkas and they were freaking out, but it was just six empty bus seats. Which is hilarious because that I, I feel like, you know... That same thing could happen here in the good old U.S. of A. Um, yeah. With the recent bullshit that's been going on. Um, which, honestly, dude, I don't even want to get into with, like, a, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Because I'm afraid that I'm going to say how I feel about it. And then people are going to come up and, like, be like, no, that what they did was right. And then I'm just going to be, I, I just won't be able to be polite after, at, at that point. Uh, because obviously I'm against all that shit that happened. I'm against it in a big way. It's kind of like everything I, so it's kind of like everything I hate about living in the South, like with like just the deep seated, like racism and like resentment, uh, that still is just alive and well today. Um, it, it's like, if there's any kind of like, I don't know, whatever. I just don't like anything about it. I don't have like. I'm not I'm not going to like go to the streets and like make Molotov cocktails and like, you know, firebomb people over it. But it, but I, I just. It's like, just keep that shit away from me. You know, it's like I know the world's an ugly place and yeah. just keep it away from me. I, I don't want to hear about it and I'm against it. And that's pretty much all I- for me. I'm going to I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to say this as eloquently as I can and not fall into the icy cold water. Because I'm standing on extremely thin ice that's melting from my body heat. But 
I do understand some people's thought processes when they say there's two sides to this. I do get it. For me personally, the Antifa thing and the nationalists, they're all bad. They're all different varying forms of bad to me. Um, they're both wrong. They're both handling this the wrong way. Uh, but the nationalists recently, they took it to an extreme that was just far beyond Antifa's protesting and all their other stuff and all of this and whatever. It's I see why it's happening. It's a pushback from a lot of these people who were sick of the politically correct movement that's begun and, and with all of this and I think all liberals feel a certain way or whatever and I'm not speaking for everyone certain certain groups like this they feel that way they feel that their way of life is being threatened and it's not a logical way to think it's just plain wrong in my opinion because there's no logic behind it your rights are not being taken away just because there's there's black people in this country your rights are not being taken away because there's other people, other races, who might be doing other jobs and things like that. They're not taking over the government. They're not taking over the country. You have all the same rights as you had before. You have all this and so on. There's no reason for you to be threatened. But these people are still threatened because they don't think logically. The same thing applies to the other side, though, because they're not thinking logically either, because they're thinking if they just raise this whole stink and act like they're all... I don't know, they just they just do all these crazy things and try to be speak have the loudest voice. That doesn't mean that they're going to change things either. It, it it's just it's it is something that's it's just extremely touchy and it's one of those things that's like there really isn't really the the perfect way to, to talk about it without shoving your foot in your mouth. Or, or saying something that's gonna offend somebody. My whole thing is like, but I'm one of those believe. I'm one of those people though who believes that, regardless of how offensive something might seem to somebody, as long as it's something that, because with something like this, I don't think, if I share my opinion on it, that it's going to be extremely damaging or or anything like this. I'm not saying, but I mean, I am saying this: if you kill somebody. If you're going through all this and your protests and all of this involved and somebody dying, that's just that's just fucked up. And 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 there's no there's no way around that. And I'm sorry, I, I don't. I, you know, it's it's nothing to do with politics at that point. It has to deal with the thing that you killed somebody. All right, that's bigger to me than your your belief in whatever your whatever you believe in and whatever group you're a part of. When somebody dies or somebody gets hurt. Or, or that or property damage occurs then it's far beyond just oh I believe in something really strongly and this is what I'm doing to try to not necessarily defend it but uh, but really let people know how I feel in, in the in the loudest way imaginable I just I just like live my life day to day and take people as they come if I meet if yeah. I meet somebody on the street or at one of my gigs, Regardless of their race, ethnic, or their their race, their religion, their gender, their age, their sex, if they're a cool person and they observe basic politeness and social kind of, I guess, 
ways to, you know, how you communicate with a normal human being. Cues. Cues. Social there you cues, go. That's yeah. what I was looking for. God damn it. My brain is so stupid today. Unlike other days, whammo. Well, it's, it's a it's it's a tough subject to talk about. In a, in a Basically, what I'm trying to say is, if I run into somebody and they're cool, then then I'm cool. You know, I'm cool with them. We're cool. Yeah. If, if, if you're if don't you're, be a dick. Yeah, don't. That's one of my main rules. Don't be a dick. Now, I mean, when you get to know somebody, that's when you start f- figuring out their beliefs. And I mean, even then, if I find out your beliefs and you're not shoving them down my throat, and it's just how you feel. Again, that's fine. You know, have your have yeah. your own beliefs, but it's like when you start shoving them down people's throats and making a big display of it, and you know, even if I d- disagree with your beliefs, guess what? You know, I'm a I'm allowed to disagree with your beliefs, and you're allowed to have your own beliefs. This is America. Yeah. Last time I checked. Um. So yeah, that's you know whatever, dude. We're not gonna like break any new ground on that topic. So let's move on to our final bizarre <laughs> news topic, which might be a little light, a little more lighthearted. A little more lighthearted. There, it's about a woman who was apparently born without a pussy. Oh my god, she was born without a vagina. I just went out and said it. All right, the p word. I don't know why I I feel like this. I could have said another word, but I didn't. I didn't go there because that's just that's just too far. That's uncalled for. Oh, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm being all like uh, PC right now. Like, oh, it, you know, this is this was such a highbrow podcast before, Mike. How dare you, you see, say that? That's what's that's what's funny too about some of these. You know, going back to what we're talking about, they're they're acting all offended about certain things, and it's like you were you're you're you were already. That's what's so ironic about some of the the reactions some of the uh, nationalists have had to all of this is now they're all acting like. You know, you, they like they're they're offended, and you know I'm just like, well, you were ranting and raving about political correctness, and here you are being all like, oh, I'm offended, I'm triggered. You know, it's just like, yeah. I, I guess it goes to show you that in, in, you know anyone from any group or any a belief system or or you know political leaning can equally get triggered. So, this woman, she was born without a vagina, which is crazy to even think about it, but it's not your typical, it's not what you might think. It's just a blank space, there's nothing there. There's not a blank space there for where you can write your name. So, she is launching a crowdfunding campaign that can pay for the surgery that can enable her to feel like a woman. A 22-year-old woman was born without a vagina, and she hopes to have a life-changing surgery that would allow her to lose her virginity to her boyfriend. Kaylee Motes from Gilbert, Arizona, suffers from Meyer-Rotansky-Kutzer-Hauser syndrome, MRKH, which means she has no cervix, uterus, uterus, or vaginal opening. Since being diagnosed as a teenager, she has lived in fear of other people finding out about her bizarre condition and then mocking her. But everything changed when she met boyfriend Robbie Limmer, from months ago, who doesn't care about the lack of sex in their relationship. Instead, he contributes $50, 39 pounds of his salary each month to fund her campaign for the cosmetic surgery to craft her vaginal opening. Miss Motes needs to raise $15,000 in total to undergo the procedure that will finally help her feel like a woman. She said, I met Robbie in my senior year of college when I was working at the front desk. He thought I was cute, so he came up to me and we started talking since. And she, she is a really cute girl 
It took about a month for me to tell him that I have MRKH. He was confused at first, but supportive and said that it doesn't change how he sees me. I would feel the same way, too, to be honest. Uh, to me, there's more to a relationship than just sex. It's not called a sex ship. It's called a relationship. If all that you have in common with each other is good sex, that's not a good relationship to be in, let alone somebody that you should marry. And it happens all the time. That's why you have all these like divorce, you know, these high divorce rates. Because people are marrying somebody based on sexual attraction and that alone. And it doesn't happen for everybody. Some people do that as well as they have more in common. But I, it's just when you marry somebody just for sexual attraction and, and you don't have anything else in common, once that adrenaline rush fades and you're just left with this hot guy or this hot girl who you don't have any common with and you don't really like each other and you only really liked each other for the sex, that that, that ends in divorce. It's usually pretty messy. Oh, but we have great makeup sex. There's more to it than that. How, uh, how, like, uh, how, he, how must have he felt, like, this Robbie guy? Like, he must have felt like the like that was the ultimate like blow off whenever she's like yeah, yeah um we can't have sex or, or you know i can't be with you oh why not come on baby sorry uh, i don't have a vagina uh, <laughs> he was just like out of all the fucking excuses you could have used he prob- yeah yeah he probably <laughs> thought at first that was bullshit yeah. i mean who who would I mean, you could have told I me. See why a lot of guys would be like, "Oh, come you could have told me you weren't attracted to me. You could have told me that you know you're a lesbian, but no, you're saying that you don't have a vagina. You must really think I'm a dumbass." <laughs> no, seriously, I have no vagina. Um, so yeah, uh, he was confused at first, but supportive, and said that it doesn't change how. He sees me. He doesn't really focus on the sexual side of a relationship because we can't do anything since I don't have a vaginal opening. Well, that's pretty close-minded of her. <laughs> Just saying. Closed box. Closed box of her. And I'm looking forward to having a sexual relationship. I'm not sure if I want to wait until marriage, but I think having that option there is a lot more comforting. I'm a bit nervous to have sex for the first time after surgery because I'm not so sure if something is going to go wrong down there or, where, or if it's going to hurt. Miss Moat said she was unable to raise money for the surgery. If she was unable to raise money for the surgery, it would have a negative impact on her life. She added, I do think it sucks that I can't do sexual things with Robbie, even if I wanted to. Uh, but that hasn't really been the focus of our relationship. The only people that know about my condition is my family and a few relatives. And now, and now the and whole friends. rest of the entire world because you let the DailyMail.co.uk print this article. But okay. Getting the surgery will help me feel normal and have all the right body parts as any other girl. I won't have to hide that part of my life. That part of my life will be fixed. Miss Moat said her vagina looks exactly how it should, except her vaginal opening is instead replaced by a little dimpled skin <laughs> where the hole should be. <laughs> the, the phraseology there. The little dimpled skin where the hole should be. God. I, I, you know. The mental image is just... For me to say I am curious to see what this Not vagina pretty. looks like is would be an understatement. Uh, I am curious. Uh, what does it? What does that look like? Uh, what would it? Is, I I don't want to see it. I I would like to see it. I'm I'm I mean not like her in particular in like a sexual way, but like I would like to see a vagina that. Anyway, uh, yeah. Hopefully nobody's eating right now yeah. or is squeamish. And by the way, 
Uh, the whole, it sucks we can't do anything sexual because I'd like to. Uh, yeah, there's like a million other things you guys could totally be doing right now uh, without a opening to uh, said vagina. Um, you know, I'm just, don't be so closed-minded there, lady. There's a... Think outside the box. <laughs> God, that was, that was good. Think outside your box. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's oral, there's anal, there's a myriad of things, of ways that you guys could be intimate, um, and actually, pretty much those are the only two other ways, but there are other ways, nonetheless. See, I really, I really think that's kind of all we need to, I know there's more that's uh, in this here, but I think that's really about it. I know that there's another thing that her, her uh, insurance won't cover it, because it's considered cosmetic, it's not cosmetic. It's considered like it's not cosmetic, or it's considered cosmetic, meaning she it isn't covered by her medical insurance. Well, let's think about it. I think I think there should be an exception though for something like this. Okay, this isn't your typical cosmetic. Oh, my nose is too big. I want to get it re- reduced, or I need to get some bigger tits. It's that's not that's not the same thing. Yeah, but then you think about it. Her urethra, obviously, uh, she says it's a normal vagina, but there's no opening. Okay, so she doesn't have a uterus. There's nothing that can be done about that. She'll never have kids. She wasn't born with a uterus. Um, Her urethra, uh, obviously, is still intact because it's a normal vagina besides the fact that there's no opening. So she can still use the bathroom the same exact way. And, you know, so I guess as far as the insurance uh, agency is concerned, is like she's literally just wanting to get this surgery so she can have intercourse and not even to lead to having a kid because she doesn't have a, you know, a, a uterus. But I mean, come, this isn't a, this isn't a normal thing. This doesn't happen very often. It's probably extremely rare. I would, I would thing, hope, I would so. hope so. I would hope it's extremely rare. It would be this kind of thing where I would hope it would just be an, an exception. But can you imagine it was like some kind of contagious disease or something? And it was just like, you're in the middle of doing it. And then like, just, nope, no, no more. Can't do it anymore. I don't want to think about that. It's disturbing to me. Um, yeah, that'd be horrifying. That'd be some straight out of a horror film. It'd be the opposite of that movie. T. Mike, I gotta, I gotta come clean to you about something. I don't have an anus. <laughs> really? Nope. That explains why a lot of the shit comes out of your mouth instead of you know elsewhere. Oh. But seriously though. Uh, you don't know how many times those jokes, what if I got a million dollars, I'd buy a new butt because mine has a crack in it. You don't know how bad those jokes offend me. You know, people sit there and they'll just casually throw those jokes out. If I got a lot of money, I'd buy a new butt because mine has a crack in it. And I'm just sitting there crying on the inside because I don't have an anus. And you don't you don't want to know how I take a dump. That's just a whole nother story. Um... None of that was necessary, and I probably offended a lot of people just then. That's our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, before we go, um, yeah, I don't know what's going on with iTunes. Um, I ch- you, you mean SoundCloud? Well, that too. I mean, I don't know what's going on with SoundCloud. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with iTunes. I should probably have mentioned this a long time ago, but I'll mention it now. Uh, SoundCloud, which is the website that we uh, – host our podcast from so the rss feed which is the feed that sends our podcast out to itunes stitcher podbean all the other podcast uh hosting sites um 
there it, to to say that SoundCloud has has they're in jeopardy. Yeah, that that would be an understatement to say that they're in jeopardy. SoundCloud could just go bye bye one day. Uh, now the CEO has a blog on the site where he says that SoundCloud's not going anywhere. They've gotten new funding from backers, etc. Um, feel like that's been said before about other things that have crashed and burned. So that doesn't necessarily restore restore my faith that that's it's like we'll wait and see. So if one day our podcast just disappears, um you you really should join our Facebook group because or at least like us on Facebook cuz that'll be the only way that we'll be able to tell you where our Oh, uh, we'll probably we'll yeah, we'll we'll let you know and we'll we'll figure out another place to host it. Yeah, we're going to figure out another There's- place to host it, but I'm saying like all the people like I don't know if I can keep the same exact RSS feed and and just put it on Libsyn or something like that, like another podcast hosting site. If I can do that, great. Like that would yeah. be ideal. That way we we're not alone either. I mean, there's a lot of other people on SoundCloud that are gonna that are dealing with the exact same. A lot of DJs and music producers they they use SoundCloud, so I'm sure they're slightly bummed. Um, for me, it sucks because like I already went through this bullshit with. Uh, the whole Tom, uh, Tom and Jerry thing with uh, changing the name of uh, unsolved, uncovering unsolved mysteries, uncovering unexplained mysteries. Many of you remember that whole fucking ordeal I went through. So it's like doing it all over again to a certain extent. So I hope SoundCloud doesn't shut down. Also, the I, on the iTunes front, uh, we haven't gotten a review on there, good or bad, in uh, a, uh, like over a month. I think we're going. The last one was just. Somebody was mad at Josh. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the last one was. Well, it doesn't matter what the content of it was. No, I know. I'm just saying that's the last one. Yeah, we last, had. it was. Somebody it was, was mad at it Josh. It was in like July or something, or it's, it was like early July. So, point is, is for whatever reason, and we used to get reviews like all the time. Um, in fact, it subtracted a review from our shit because we had 67, and now we only have 66. So, if you guys who are listening to this, like, if you enjoy the podcast, and I mean. If you enjoyed the podcast after listening to this particular episode, then you really deserve <laughs> a cookie or something. Uh, please go and rate us uh, and leave a review on iTunes, preferably a positive review where you're not like taking the piss out of me and Mike too bad. I mean, even if you don't like it, just give it like three stars. I mean, I don't know. One star is uh, not helpful to us. So if you're going there leaving a one star review, don't leave a review. But, uh, yeah, if you could just go and review us on iTunes, our podcast. Um, I don't know if that's – you're opening the door there for a lot of trolls to just be, like, one star. I mean, star, I, I, don't know star, if we, I don't know if we would have, like, trolls that listen weekly just waiting yeah. for the opportunity to tear us down. Maybe we do, but, yeah, so if you could go leave us a review on there, that would that would help. It, hel- it just helps our podcast gain more visibility. Mm-hmm. Although, honestly, I will say that um, pretty much ever since episode, like, 53, Three or fifty-two. Uh, we've just had a boost in plays. We have more plays, uh, definitely within July and August than we've had in the last like six months. So our plays have definitely like gotten higher and higher and higher. So we're growing, but it would just be nice to have that presence on iTunes because at one point we made it in the top two hundred society and culture uh, podcasts. We're not there anymore. That thing shifts around every day, so it's new people in there all the time and. I don't know. It just it just help us out in some way. If you want to see us go further, and if you don't, if you want to see us, write a review if you want. You know, it's up to you. There you go. That's that's all it really needs to be said. Um, all right. So I guess that's it. 
for me and Mike. Um, have a good rest of your week, and we will see you next week. Goodbye. See ya. What's up, guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or Bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh, If you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those? Uh, Or you could just message me on Facebook and say, hey, I want a copy of your CD and I will mail it out to you. But uh, yeah, it's out now and it is it is finished and it's uh, some good stuff. So uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. uh, Music is sold online or go to Bandcamp.com and search Dancing with Ghosts. Thank you.